I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you want to go to rugby heaven? Let's go back to 1987 with Squidge. With Squidge. Let's go back to 87 with Squidge. Hello and welcome to the Squidge Rugby World Cup Retrospective Podcast. The rugby podcast that's here to celebrate Wales' best ever World Cup results. <laughs> and joining me as ever is Mr. Will Owen. How are you doing? You know what? All right, but that's because I braced myself. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine. I am I am still here. And also we are joined once again by Will. I think you're saying the fourth time. Fourth time. But only second in anything to do with rugby. Yeah, which is that's that tracks. We're joined by from Wales Online, Mr. Ben James. How are we doing? Merry Christmas. <laughs> Happy New Year. How are you? How have you been? I'm very well. Yes. I'm very good. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we've drained the life out of you by making you watch this game, Ben. Yeah, I literally, um, such is my preparation. I, I watched it about an hour ago. Yep. And I've already forgotten it. <laughs> 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 you can see why we keep getting you back on though Ben Font of knowledge I just just a student of the game I think it's kind of a superpower to have already forgotten that yeah I think I think it is yeah I'm pretty sure most of the players would have liked to have forgotten about yeah. it as I delve into classic sporting cliche <laughs> you know the first half in particular was one you want to forget is, is what I would have said if I'd been reporting on the game but it was in 1987 so yeah, yeah, they weren't they weren't employing you back then, were they? No, they weren't, and it's their loss. Yeah. <laughs> I got nothing more to add. What's your kind Good of episode. like? What's your relationship with the like '87 World Cup and '80s rugby in general? Like, I think, um, it... so the '87 World Cup, not a great deal. No. Um, <laughs> you know, obviously, we've all played rugby '08 Challenge mode. <laughs> But it doesn't it doesn't have the same effect when you're you are you are doing challenges with a team filled with Mark Jones and James Hook and uh, Gary Cooper. Were you um, surprised to learn they weren't playing this game, man? I, I was shocked. Like, I always assumed it was just the same teams. Yeah. Um A but, lost yeah. opportunity by EA. And B, <laughs> yeah. why weren't we picking Mark Jones? He was probably about five by this age, you know? That's that's been my go to question. <laughs> why are we picking Mark Jones? Of course, he wasn't in the default starting 15 on Rugby 08. It was Hal Luskin on the wing, as everyone knows. Controversial. You're going to put you're going to put Mark Jones on the wing. Why wouldn't yeah, you? You're going to put Mark Jones yeah, on. yeah. But the thing is, though, like it's oh. always it'd be boring if you just went to the team selection and just picked the default. There's always got to be something that you manually want to change. And Matt, Mark Jones is that guy. Pretty yeah, sure Gaffin Jenkins was on the bench as well. It might have been Duncan Jones starting. Yeah. A bit disappointed that Chris Horseman wasn't there. I mean, he had a big Six Nations Thursday yeah. seven, but yeah, you're losing your minds by the money. Yeah, Shane Williams used to put my scrum off. Uh, <laughs> it's classic. Yeah, but um, that was that was just how I used to win, win the World League. 
by win, I mean go bankrupt at the end of season one because I don't understand finances. <laughs> did you ever play rugby before? I did. You know what? Weirdly, I, I, I remember playing it at a mate's house and thinking, like, this is the future at the time because they had orange, like, they had the orange. Because well, it was 2003 it came out. Yeah. So, like, it was the future rugby they had, before. They had the orange Adidas ball and uh, yeah. clubs. And then I went back and played years later. I was like, Jesus Christ. Oh, mate. Were people paid to make that game? Well, I tried to play it last year, and oh, it does not stand up. No. The fact that, like, at every set piece, you need to pause, decide how many one you want in the line out, which takes like five seconds. Then there's another like 10 seconds of picking what play you want to move, where you want to throw it to, what you're doing. And it takes about a minute. There's like a, like a real time pause in a game that is otherwise condensed down to be like five minutes long. Mm. But like the stoppages in real time, which is the most thrilling part of the game that you want to recreate most accurately. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what the most thrilling part of the game is the move. You know the move? The move. We'll yeah, discuss it another it. time. But the, move. the move. The move. The move. But but the reason why I asked though, Ben. Play out because... of <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just a move on Rugby 4 It's a great move. The move. Basically, anyway. right? No, the, no, 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 no. The move. Finally the move, revealing right? the move. So the move in Rugby 4 line out, right? You yeah. throw to the front. Okay. The lock then throws it back down to the hooker who makes a break nine times out of ten. <laughs> yeah. No matter how fast or slow they are or who they're playing against or which direction you're running, as long as it's not into touch. It's like a flawless, you will make a line break on every set piece if you are willing to throw this and move. And if you go far enough, the scrum off gets in support and they score. Yeah. Great move. Great move. Great move. Don't know why no one's tried it in real life. Rugby 2005, you could literally um, snipe off every ruck. (laughs) Used to have a Wales team. Put Stick Rob Howley in there. You just just, literally every ruck snipe. No one's guarding the fringes. Yes, come on. Come on, guys. Yeah, what... What what are you going out to? You know, what, pay attention. Come on, this happened in the last game. Where's the video analysis sessions going on for the CPUs? <laughs> yeah, no, well, that's that's rugby or five here. Yeah. Mm. The the reason why I asked you about rugby or four is because when you do the world league, uh, it lets you do one season and then the game just crashes when you start the second <laughs> season. In fact, maybe two seasons, but then when you start the third, the game just crashes every single time. So you get a chance to make your signings, but then as soon as you put them in the match day squad, it's just like, no, the world's ended now, lads. Sorry. <laughs> Smart. That, that, that saves me a lot of hassle in terms of working out finances and spreadsheets. So Yeah. yeah. If the world's going to end at the end of it, then who cares? Yeah, you know, put Heffler on a big contract and just sit yeah, exactly. get him in. Get what him did in. you? What first name did you give to Heffler? I think he was Charles. Charles. Oh, yeah. Okay, I like that. I think he was Carl for us. So we're in similar ballparks, or maybe Colin. Carl. Yeah. I think now you say Carl. I think it was Carl. I think we were thinking because he's a Kiwi, and that's the sort of thing they yeah. call people in New Zealand. Was, I remember there was a player called Bertie who played centre and they gave him an Irish flag, but they also had the Irish and the Italian flags were the same in there. that They didn't actually <laughs> differentiate them. So we decided that his name was Cedric or Cedrico and could change which one it was, depending which uh, nationality he felt like being dual registered. That's very culturally sensitive. <laughs> yeah, 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 really yeah. Is. We were like 11 years old. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, right. Today's game for the thing is New Zealand's 49-6 win over Wales in the semi-final. Yep, in the age of four points for a try. 
1987 Rugby World Cup. A scoreline that probably, again, if we can go back into things I would have said if I was covering the game, scoreline that probably does flatter Wales. Yes. Yeah, I low-key enjoyed this game. <laughs> like, as much as I am on paper a Wales supporter, not this fucking Wales team. I think it's not a bad Wales team. You haven't watched the rest of the games of the World Cup, mate. I know, but it sounds obvious. But if that if that team had gone through to the nineties and not gone north, there were some great players. Like Jif, Jif had a nightmare in this game. <laughs> it's constant, man. Jif had a nightmare, which is hilarious because then the year after he went on the tour of New Zealand and tore them apart. Well, tore mm. apart in the in the sense mm. of they still lost by like yeah. But yeah. <laughs> Jif was scoring from his own twenty-two, but. Devro was everywhere to be felt. Devro's a good player. Devro's yeah. good. Yeah. 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 Two, the, the two Moriartis were uh, fucking hell. Richard Moriarty was taking kicks in the backfield. So. <laughs> yeah. It's Richard... more, more, more of a sign of that to the English shit. Richard Moriarty genuinely absolutely everywhere. Yeah, he was. Had a try chalked off to me for forward pass. But yeah. He's running in the scrum half support line. <laughs> madness. Utter madness. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think you know another ten minutes of that game, they probably get back into it, and then you you, you look at the eighty seven final a lot differently. This podcast. <laughs> when you say they get, look get back into it, you mean the All Blacks again? They score another forty four. Yeah. Game or two after, and I think Wales lost both narrowly. <laughs> you said, I mean, I suppose two digits is quite narrow. Yeah. Second half, when they they would, you know, if you if you if you go by the old adage of you know just win the second half, for a little while they were, yeah. So you know, for yeah, like five minutes. Morally, if you change the old adage to win like the first sort of ten minutes of the second half, then you know, yeah, they they did that. Come on, third quarter's massive. It's (laughs) everyone. Yeah, you can't ask for any more than that. Well, like yeah. I think it's I think it's frankly against rugby values to consider winning most of the game. Mm. Like you wouldn't be competitive in order, you know, and show humbleness and hard work and team spirit yes. in order to win one of the quarters. But if you win any more than that, then uh, just being greedy, really, yeah, it doesn't reflect well on you. It really goes say. against the greatest force for good in the world, amateurism, doesn't it? It really does. It really, really does. So we sort of began to touch on the Wales team there. As you mm. say, there's a lot of... Right, this has been, like, I think our experience better, like, watching this back, is there's a lot of players from this era who we grew up hearing an awful lot of really good things about and then have come to watch back and gone, oh. <laughs> so Jiffy Chief amongst them. Yeah, like Rob Jones was probably was the best. I think John Dever, I think, has played well. I think Yian yeah, Evans has been good well. when he's got the ball. Well, um, the first time I saw Yian during this game was when it was 24 nil. Yeah, after, after Kerwin scored his second try. Yeah, That's yeah, about six minutes in. Yeah, it's about the first time I saw Yian. Well, this is the thing. Like, so Yian Evans, I think, is one of those better players in this tournament. Yeah, but he yeah. is. Like, there's a thing where um, I mentioned we mentioned on the last episode in Wales. Where Jiffy basically said after one of the games, or it might be Mark Frick, so one of one of them, one of yeah. them said, in hindsight, we probably shouldn't have spent four days on the piss before playing New Zealand in the semi-final. <laughs> and 
here's the thing, right? For most of the players, it shows because they look hungover. Yayan Evans is still drunk. He's gone hair of the dog, <laughs> and he is trying to he is trying to work through this. He does not look like he knows where either touchline or the end of the pitch is. I just, I, I don't think you ever know the, you never know until you do it. So I, I disagree with Jeff. I think you know you got to take the risk. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that backline. Mm. Obviously, uh, you you've watched more tournament than me, but yeah, Hadley, very good winger. Mm. Hadley's played well in this tournament. Actually, I've grown to like him. You know, Paul Thorburn, massive boot. Yeah, just love, seems to love a scrap. Yeah, and yeah, Devro, yeah, really, really good. You can mm. yeah, see why he sort of went north. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think he was 21 during this tournament. But uh, the best, I think the best part of the backline for me was when Rob Jones just swung at Kerwin. <laughs> the second try. It's just, it just made, I was just like, yeah, I love that. He's just, <laughs> he just scored a try and just like, just going to swing in it. <laughs> I've, I've kind of realised as you talk through the team there that, and I think probably a lot of listeners realised this a long time ago. I don't hate this Wales team. I just don't like Jiffy. I think <laughs> it's probably been abundantly clear for the whole series, but he pisses me off so much watching him play because like, even if you look at the, the YouTube video of this, there's one comment on it that just says Jiffy would be seeding his own performance here. Yeah, there's one moment, in fairness, I think there was, it was a lot of win, but it just, it just made me laugh because it summed up the game. It's like Wales finally get some possession in the, in the New Zealand half. They they steal a line out. I think Paul Mario or Richard Moriarty dive in it suddenly. Clear it out. About eight people dive over the rock. It's like classic. <laughs> classic sort of payback style of... <laughs> I shouldn't say that. And then <laughs> Rob Jones just gives it a gif. A gif seems like up and under. <laughs> up and under, like crossfield up and under. And the wind just takes it back. So it's basically level with where he kicked it. Hadley catches it. Hadley gets driven back about 20 metres in the tap. You're like, oh, you, you poor sod. I have that written down in my notes as like, that would be a really good kick if Grant Fox did it, not Jiffy. Like, <laughs> as in like, he's done a really good kick to put the winger under pressure, except it's his own winger rather than the opposition's. I, mean, like... I, I could have played fly off in that Kiwi team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. And but look, the, Ben, I, I trust that you are a, a world class fly half. But yeah, no, it's world world class. Nothing more to say. Uh, n- no denying it here. No, but like Hadley spills the ball loose, and Jiffy recovers it, and it goes from like Jiffy's kick going backwards to Jiffy running backwards, <laughs> and he runs backwards about ten meters before turning around and kicking it out like exactly level with where he is. Just. I, again, everything Jiffy does in this World Cup, I spend thinking about how nuts he'd go if it happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watched it. Have you commented on it? Oh, I can't help but love him. Just can't help but love him. <laughs> <laughs> so you know that even with all that, he could still just like a year later go and tear up the All Blacks or do something. It's true. He's no, he, he is extremely talented, and there's no tearing that's, that apart. That's, like, that's yeah. Um, there's that one, like, I'm aware that we're getting into the game a little bit before no, yeah. we've really done the team. But, like, there's that one, like, tricky kickoff that he does, and he gets absolutely decked by Alan Wetton for, yeah. like, attempting it. And the thing is, it's completely illegal, and the referee doesn't notice it because he, like, trips him up with his leg. And it's a really great bit of skill by Jiffy to, you know, feign to do, like, the really long dropout and just does, like, a little grubber to the side of Wetton who just trips him up. And, you know, it was funny, but should have been penalised, but who cares? And I think that comes back to the whole crux of the argument, which is the referee cost Wales the game. <laughs> <laughs> are you, are you, have you been spending a bit too much time in South Africa and uh, 
um, learning their kind of lingo around what happens when you lose a game. I picked up a lot during the Lions, though. I've, um, I've learned their ways. <laughs> so the referee, Kerry Fitzgerald in this game, Australian, yeah. uh, mm. goes on to referee the World Cup final a week later. I um, thought it was Derek Bevan did the World Cup final. He's listed on his Wikipedia page as refereeing the World Cup final. He's edited that himself. <laughs> he must have done. No, he did the World Cup final. He did the, the 87 World Cup final. Oh, he I refereed that. Bevan. Never mind. He then refereed in the World Cup in 1991. Then three weeks later, very suddenly collapsed in his office and died. Oh, shit. Oh, that took a turn. <laughs> yeah, sorry. But he, you know, it's just as a, yep. Good news about the 87 final, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a great time there. Enjoyed the 91 World Cup as well. Good on him. Just some fun trivia for you. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Do you want any facts about, is all the Welsh team still alive? Yeah, looks like it. Cool. <laughs> I can't really give you any information on them. Uh, or their um, depth specifically. Hold on. Do you think good, in- like, fun information is exclusive to when people die? No, but it, it is preferent- preferential. Yeah, usually is. Yeah. <laughs> just like, there's just more to get into, plenty. You? You, you can do, like, it's a retrospective podcast, you know? Like, we've got to cover everything. Retro- we can't look at things that are current. And like Rob Jones is still alive, so we can't really talk about it. Yeah, well, we're not kind of ruled out uh, anything but the title. Speculating about the future. So, how do you think any of these Welsh players are going to die? Jesus, you can't ask that. <laughs> I can ask it. You just have can to we, answer it. Can we look at the let's look at the New Zealand team okay. instead. So they only make one change. Michael yes. Jones decides yeah. it's a Sunday, so he isn't isn't going to play. He decided it was a Sunday. <laughs> he decided that was it was the reason. That was the reason why yeah. he couldn't play. Is because he woke up and was just like, "Fellas, it's a Sunday. I can't. Yeah. I can't make it." And they you- went. What? There was no episodes of Neighbours on that day. <laughs> Famously aired on the 11th of June and then on the 16th, uh, 15th rather, but nothing, nothing on the on the 14th. So I think we all knew. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's well, that bit's always talked about in Welsh rugby folklore. It was yeah. like same reason you and Murray used to miss test matches to watch Neighbours on the bus. I was trying to find this earlier. Didn't he miss the ironically the the All Blacks game? In the 2007 World Cup, which was on a Sunday, or might have making that up. Oh, maybe, maybe when they got, when they got nilled, <laughs> they lost 40 nil. But I think they've made a load of. Now I'm thinking about. It, I think they made a load of changes because they beat Romania. Mm. Classic Scottish rugby. So. <laughs> on the piss for ten days, beat Romania. No, they were they had Italy next up, so they rested all their players for all plans. <laughs> Forty points. Oh. We- we did cover earlier earlier in the pod, as listeners will be aware, that Fiji played the All Blacks and just played their second team. And David Kirk, of course, the All Blacks captain, afterwards came out and said, "Like, well, that's really disappointing. Like, Fiji was shit, weren't they? They shouldn't have done that." <laughs> and then the Fiji captain just comes out and just goes, "Like, yeah, we weren't trying. We're playing Italy next week. Yeah, we don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, who cares?" So it's a tried and tested tactic, is all I'll say. Yeah, I mean, we did it two thousand and three against them. Mm-hmm. Nearly beat them, so technically yeah. we beat in the All Blacks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I hope that when we get to all of these games on future World Cup episodes, that all of the All Black captains come out and shit talk the opposition afterwards. Yeah, good chance. There's a very good chance. <laughs> they talk about in this game, like, oh, there's only three of this Welsh team who were alive the last time Wales beat them. And it's amazing, I kind of forgot there would have been that point. There would have been yeah, one of the last I games. Said, I thought they said none of them. Just oh, okay. Games. I yeah, feel yeah. like they went like, oh, it's one of the only players that was alive when they... But I'm not sure. 
There is um, a point right at the start when they're showing the Welsh team and the commentary immediately says there are five players with four caps or less. It's like, yeah, great. It's only the World Cup semi-final against the All Blacks. Like, go on, fellas. Great opportunity to blood youngsters. Wasn't Di, Di Young, wasn't he playing in Australia? Yeah. Yes. So he got called up out of nowhere. Uh, he was literally just like on a gap year. He was kind of like taking a summer oh, out. Playing in South Sydney. Yeah, they just called him up. They just went, yeah. you're right, mate. How are you doing? Come on. Let's give it a go. It's nice to know that Wales' horrendous luck with injuries is an exclusive to the yeah. gap when it comes to World Cup. It just runs through. You know, it's, it's got to be a tradition. And it's going to be a tradition again next year. And I can't wait. Mm. I can't yeah. wait. I'm really excited about, like, obviously, we have Steve Sutton brought off the bench out of nowhere in this game. Yeah, his son's now at the Ospreys. He could get called up out of nowhere next year. Yeah. We can keep a tradition going. Insulation tape around his head as well. That wasn't that wasn't rugby tape. That's that's clearly insulation tape or something. That's, <laughs> we, we've all done it. Like, just, oh, I ain't got any rugby tape. Insulation tape. And then you realise you have got no blood circulation in your legs. Yeah, that's always the worst bit. Rookie error, but you know he's done on his head. So that's a bit of a that- Real problem with going out on the piss for four days is you don't have time to go and buy rugby tape. So you end up with insulation tape, which you have yeah. plenty of when you spend four days drinking. Yeah. I mean, you would be out on the piss. Australia, 1987, June. <laughs> you know, Neighbours is about 500 episodes in. <laughs> yeah. Scott and Charlene have just announced their engagement. <laughs> it's it's big times. I, I just... I'm amazed there was a crowd at the game. <laughs> you're not alone you're not alone people people are probably out in the streets with Jason Donovan posters and just just waiting for the big day July 1st episode 500 and something like I said I stopped paying attention during the second half <laughs> <laughs> started googling neighbours two years into this run only yeah. two years old this Maybe show two years in, and already they had the big moment coming up Scott and Charlene's wedding you know huge <laughs> So Absolutely. who was in neighbors? Who was in neighbors at the time? Was there anyone like we've neglected the All Blacks team? We're looking at the neighbors care. cast I instead. I don't care. I yeah, yeah. Would Guy Pearce have been around? Probably. Yeah, because it's probably is it slightly too early for him? Uh, I don't know. Paul Robinson was probably still knocking around. Yeah. When was Kylie in it? So I Kylie, Kylie was in neighbors at the time. Yeah. That's what I'm oh, saying. Wow. I'm oh, sorry. Wayne. She was Charlie. Oh, sorry. When I when I use character names, I mean Kylie Minogue and Jason Donovan. The, of course, of course. Okay. For those who aren't aware of Neighbours. Oh, man. I, I.e. Yeah. me. Because I'm looking what? at it now. I've just Googled Neighbours episodes. And it goes back. So we're currently on season 37 right now in 2020. Well, it's just finished. It's just finished. Oh, it's it's the last finished. episode. Currently, it's, it's, it's ended. Yeah, right. But the, my, <laughs> point, my point is, it says there's a season one and a season three. No season two. No, no. Don't need a season two, do they? No, why would you need season two? To be fair, it's basically the same as this podcast. We didn't have a season two. We just had like four episodes oh, on the Lions tour. Tell you what, Guy Pearce was still in it. Guess it wasn't what? too early for him. Guy Pearce was in Neighbours. So you had Guy... Oh, man. You had Guy Pearce, you had Kylie Minogue, Jason Donovan, as you mentioned. It's just the hits, isn't it? It's just proper vintage Neighbours stuff. Mm. <laughs> Bishop was there at that point. You know, all the big guns. All, I'm all, sorry, all Jason... Jason Donovan played Scott Robertson. No. Yeah. Well, so, Scott, Scott Robinson, you know. Robin, sorry, okay. Still. You're getting, you're getting carried away. You didn't play what, what? What are the chances of him being brought in by accident to coach England? Very good. There's a, thank you. Thank you. 
Iron Man, the chances are very good. They probably would do that. Kylie also in the year of 1987 released The Locomotion and I Should Be So Lucky. So this is the start of her singing career as well. It, it is, yeah. yeah. So Why are we we're focusing on the wrong Australia pop culture event? Because I think what everyone forgets is she left Neighbours before Jason Zonovan, which yeah. is ludicrous because they were married. So basically, <laughs> he was just sort of there in some sort of like purgatory in Erinsborough. Just like, oh, yes, Kylie, uh, she's just moved for a job. I'm just going to stay here for a bit. Have you ever seen the clip of Phil Vickery singing the Neighbours theme tune? Is that the is that the O one line store? Yeah, I don't think I've seen. I don't think I've seen the Vickery Club. I've seen Austin Healy walking around the set and like meeting meeting the cast. <laughs> I've not seen that. I swear, I swear. Things you can't find the o, the O one lines documentary that readily. I think it is more for. Mm. I think that I think that and the O five one might be there, but they're they're always the, the ones that I find like ninety seven. You can find anywhere two thousand and nine, mm. and then the other ones, but O five and O one. I can never find them anywhere, but I think oh one they went to visit the neighbours set, and it's just like Austin Healy and that, just wandering around, wandering around the studios. That sounds insufferable. Yeah, yeah it does. It's probably right after he's done a column or something. <laughs> <laughs> so it's probably like it's probably like the day after, like the Dawson conversion or something. <laughs> I was gonna gonna go to go see neighbours just to uh, let us see. And I mean, so who was in Neighbours? Uh, no, we. I mean, we, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's get, let's go down that rabbit hole. Let's who was in Neighbours? Two thousand and one. Two thousand and one. Believe it or not, I don't actually watch Neighbours. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely, I do not believe that. Just got a just got a great knowledge. Um, would Holly Blast have been in Neighbours at that point? Yeah, looking at it, it seems to be between famos. Like there aren't really any of the big yeah. famous people who've been in it. When did when did Holly Valance have a uh, one song? Holly yeah. Valance was in it at the time. Oh my god! Holly Valance was in it. At can the time. can you, Robbie? Can you set up a quiz for Ben James on Neighbours, please? Just on the spot. And qu- yeah, quiz his Neighbours okay. knowledge for somebody who claims not to watch it. Okay, well, okay. Let's go. Let's let's become increasingly obsessed. Let's start with like Margot Robbie. When was Margot Robbie in Neighbours? Roughly around two thousand and seven, two thousand and nine, two thousand and eight to twenty eleven. You're so in the ballpark. Not bad at all. I'll give yeah. you that. I will absolutely give you that. See, okay, there's a lot of like Natalie and and Brulia, of course, went on to have UK hits, but Mm. we started off in Neighbours. See, I don't know that, but I reckon it'd be early 90s because Torn came out about 96. 1992 to 1994. Not bad. Not bad at all. This is... One of our finest improperly segments. I'm also like um, really impressed that you knew the exact year that song came out. Yeah, you got to wait a decade before you do Johnny English. So it's like <laughs> 2003. I for- I hadn't put together that was her and Johnny English, but it yeah, it's click map. Yeah, okay. How um, she won the Masked Singer this year? Fun fact. Yeah, there was a man called Gary Files who was in it in 1996, then came back in 1990 for a few years. Before coming back again in 2015, Gary Files. Who else have we got? Who else was in? Who else is famous and was in? Uh, hold on, Olympia Valance. Is that Holly's sister? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, was in it a long time afterwards. Was in it in the the 2010s. Ben, I must know on a serious note how you know this much about Neighbours. I don't know. I don't know. I just I live a sheltered life. <laughs> Do you have like a, like a second life? Some kind of like alter ego who writes for Neighbours Online, maybe? Yeah, yeah, there is that. I don't know how I know things. 
I'm just blessed. I'm just blessed with a with a sort of a love for life, and sometimes that means knowing stuff about neighbours. <laughs> I for one didn't know Margot Robbie was in Neighbours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, oh. yeah. I think everyone knew that. So, if you're an Australian, you were in Neighbours. Like, it doesn't matter if you're an actor okay. or not. You know, like David Cambesi. I think, one of, the, I think yeah. one of the Hemsworths was in it at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Liam Hemsworth was in the Wiggles. Away. The Wiggles were in. Yeah. Well, and because Richie McCall was in the Wiggles, that made him Australian, which yeah. was a huge controversy. I think yeah, you remember yeah. that. And then he was in Neighbours. Yeah. After that, a lot of lot of controversy around Quade Cooper's appearance in Neighbours. <laughs> they booed whether, him off. Whether we should have been thing. in Power Rangers instead, as all New Zealand actors have been in. Power Rangers, what a show! It's a great show. I, I really my favorite Ordinary thing about Power Ordinary. Rangers is um is the plot line. Uh, of, of every episode that they share. It's on car park in Auckland, isn't it? It's just like, yeah, 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 yeah. Have you ever seen The Kick, Ben? The, the Stephen Donald movie? They made a movie about Stephen Donald's winning kick in 2011. And basically, if you look at any of the cast from that film, they've all been in Power Rangers. So, like, so, there is somebody who's played both the Blue Power Ranger and Mills Moliaina. <laughs> Unbelievable. And it's like, whenever you read the reviews of it at the time, they all said things like the, the general take was like the film is bad, but the big positive is the performance of former Power Ranger so and so playing Stephen Donald. It's big break, <laughs> yeah, which is an incredible sentence. Yeah, is, is it like sort of weird half documentary, half movie? Like what was that Eddie Jones one the other the Bright Miracle one? Yeah, it's very which, it's the same creators, isn't it? No, 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 no. no it's a different yeah. Oh. The oh, Eddie. Who, who played Eddie in that? Oh, uh, Tamara Morrison. Yeah. Thank God for Disney, because his career was yeah. somewhere different, wasn't it? <laughs> the fact that he doesn't... I mean, there is no way in which he looks like Eddie Jones. He just... He doesn't. He's the wrong... It's one of those things where, like, he isn't white, but they've cast someone of the wrong nationality to play him. And so you kind of go, are they just going to go, this is all fine? Don't know. He doesn't, he isn't, and again, there are people saying, oh, he's amazing as Eddie Jones on all of the posters and whatever, but he's playing a different guy. He is not playing Eddie Jones. Wouldn't you rather play a different guy? (laughs) (laughs) He he signed for Brian Smith. Smith. Nice. Very easy joke on this podcast. Too obvious. When was Eddie Jones on Neighbours? He had a couple of spells. One of the Samaritan trumpeters with uh, Harold Bishop. It's between World Cup cycles, typically. Yes. <laughs> I know that. Michael Parkinson was on it. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, right? Danny Minogue was on Home and Away whilst Kylie was on Neighbours. Whoa. How was this... Was This must have split Australia in two. Mm. This must have... Never mind the, like, we talked about on last week's episode, like the, the kind of controversy around the Wallabies and how they were playing. <laughs> the play... Hold on, the Minogues being on separate shows. Like at least the Hemsworth were on the same one. How did they deal with this? This is this is serious stuff, man. That's always been Danny's problem. Mm. You know, Aaron's is not big enough for two Minogues, so she had to go to Summer Bay. Yeah. <laughs> so you sad. end up Same. stuck in Homer Away. Also a big fan of the fact that whilst Margot Robbie was on was on Neighbours, Samara Weaving, who very much who, famously looks quite a lot like Margot Robbie was on Home and Away. Brian Smith was on Home and Away. While Eddie Jones was on Neighbours. It yeah, was a yeah. huge deal. Right, okay. The New Zealand team. 
yeah. Uh, We're doing I mean, a really so, good job of not addressing the elephant no, we in mentioned, the room, like, I suppose, the podcast. Okay. I suppose, no, like, the only change is Michael Jones drops out. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, Mark Brooke Calden, who is not the most famous player in this team, he went to Rugby League straight after this World Cup. Right. Um, and then signed for Leeds in Rugby League and played for them, just played Rugby League in England for a while. Yeah, free caps to the All Blacks all this year, then disappeared. Right, okay. I, mean, I don't blame him because like, he could play Rugby League on days that aren't Sundays, couldn't he? Yeah, so... day after his birthday as well. So happy birthday to him. Hope he, oh. enjoyed, hope he enjoyed his cap. Yeah, you share a birthday with you then? It was two days after his birthday. Uh-huh. Um, so... But yeah, it's, it's that iconic All Blacks backline, isn't it? Where you've got Grant Fox, Craig Green, Kerwin, Gallagher... It's a started a backline at this point in the World Cup, you know, that when they've shredded everybody else. It's a very strong team. Mm. Yes, it's a good team. Yes. Oh, will they win the World Cup? Stay, stay tuned to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, they'll for the first time ever face a good team in the final. So, who knows? I don't. I genuinely have no recollection of anything. <laughs> One of the neighbours. Yeah, <laughs> which to be fair is just remarkable. So why do you need to know anything else? The neighbours and Silla Black kind of covers it all. Mm. Um, Did so cute? It's just why? Why would she? Why would? Why would? Why would she? An so cute on a Friday? She knows. She knows. She knew. She should have anyway. No. <laughs> so game begins right. Yes. Finally. And it begins very badly for Wales. It yeah. certainly does. It certainly does. I mean, the good thing is that we are over 10 times the length uh, it took for them to concede that try into this podcast, you know? Yeah. Like, it's, it, they could have scored that try and from yet, the very first kickoff like only, 10, 12 times. Only a tenth of where we were by the time we started talking about the game with Paul Williams last week. <laughs> yeah, indeed. So, yeah, well, it begins with like New Zealand make a break immediately, mm. kind of run down field, bloody, bloody, blah, blah. They do a bunch of rugby. Grant, they get a penalty. Grant Fox kicks it. He misses. My <laughs> the note... commentator says, What a kick. <laughs> I mean, he's missed it, but still, what a kick. Oh, it's the 80s. Just, <laughs> just, it's like rugby league kicking, and it? it's like no one, no one does good kicks from like no, outside no. near the touchline. Just let him have it. Let him have yeah. the good, let him have, you know, have some fun. Why would you need to do a good kick? You know, yeah. it's kind of a waste. Yeah, because yeah, Bill Beaumont, who is clearly in a different country. Yeah. Like, he's he's literally ringing this through on the telephone. Like that is, the audio quality is, he's just, like, in a, in a phone booth somewhere. Literally, after that first break, he's there, like, oh, the Welsh coach, um, he'll be a bit worried. <laughs> Actually, no, he won't. It's too early. And it's like, you can tell he's, like, trying to sort of, like, have a bit of positivity. He's like, no, just just say it. Yeah. <laughs> the best thing is, like, it takes them about four minutes into the game to cut up to the Welsh coaching team, who <laughs> both Welsh coaches are smoking. Oh, four Jesus. minutes in, yeah. early anxiety for Tony Gray, and he, and he, and he does look great. He looks literally good. Oh. Saying that he's, he was born in Stoke on Trent, and I've lived there three years. So, oh jeez, I'm sorry to hear that, mate. Yeah, yeah, you know, it was the Mark Mark Hughes era, not the Tony Pulis. It wasn't. It wasn't quite as bad as it could have been. Bit of football. Joke for everyone there. <laughs> the, um, <laughs> Tony Gray is an incredible kind of character because nothing seems to be known about him. All we know is that he was born. This was his birthday, actually. This was his birthday, this game. Whoa. So happy birthday to Tony Gray, 45 today. 
if we're in, still in 1987. In 87, yeah. He is yeah, 80 at the minute. Oh, he's excited for Scott and Charlene's wedding. <laughs> That's why he went to Australia. It's why he took the job. It was the only thing he was excited about. But there seems to be just like no information on Tony Gray generally. He's completely forgotten as a figure. He's about the only person from from this kind of organized, this kind of Wales squad, this whole team that wasn't interviewed in the lead up to either of the semi-finals. If you search Wales online for this, he was out the piss, wasn't World he? Cup, like the entire the entire squad, everyone involved at all, gets interviewed in the lead up to one of two semi-finals that Wales played in the last ten years, or just over ten years, I suppose. But nothing, nothing on Tony Gray. Did they just like green screen Tony Gray just so it looked like they had a coach? <laughs> CGI was much more advanced than people realised back then, but it was only abused by sports like managers. Mm. When did Tron come out? About about this time, I suppose. It was probably about Tron came out nineteen eighty two. Okay, so it's Tron is out by now, so they have this technology. It's feasible. Yeah. They can do this. Yeah. They have, they have the technology. They can yeah. <laughs> and they can rebuild Tony Gray, as we've all wanted for so long. So Tony Gray rides in on his Tron motorbike and smokes a little cigarette. And Grant Fox takes a shot at the post. It goes wide. Rob Jones carries it back over his own trial and grounds yeah. it. I immediately wrote down, you're supposed to be our best player, you dickhead. Which may be slightly too strong, but I, I, yeah. I, Rob Jones was the most encouraging thing about the previous game. <laughs> and it's... It, Kind of the fact that he's making that mistake and Wales getting blown off the ball and conceding a try immediately. Yes. Kind of proper old school pushover. Just feels like, look, this is where this is going. I don't need yeah. to pay attention anymore. You know, I know <laughs> what's going on. Yeah, Buck Shelford drives over from a scrum after Rob Jones carries it back, as you say. And then you can see an extremely stressed looking Tony Gray in the stands. I, I've come to the conclusion, I think Tony Gray is probably played by Sean Connery. He's like a character. <laughs> he's not real. He's somebody, he's a figment of somebody's imagination. And, you know. Yeah, this was the era of Connery's Renaissance, wasn't it? You know, you had Highlander and the Untouchables around this time. So it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Never in Neighbours. Never in neighbours. No. He has played rugby World Cup coaches. I was going to say, it's like, it's like a couple of months before Untouchables. So he's probably just shot that and he's moved on to the next role. You know, like kind of proper role of a lifetime stuff, this, you know? He's on a roll. Back to back, you know. He'd, he'd do yeah. Job. Like Humphrey October's a couple of years later, he's probably like, he's just readying himself here, you know? He's just like, he knows where he's going. He's got to learn a Welsh accent for that, like he learned a Russian accent yeah, for the Humphrey October. Is, you know. Irish, the Untouchables, Russian, Red October. It all sounds the same. <laughs> They're the same place. They're the same place. They're the yeah. same dialect. It's exactly, it's, you know, he's just doing the work. He's doing the work. You listen to Vasily Artemia speak English, Irish accent. Might be because he was educated in Ireland, but still. No, it's not. No, no. it's not. No, 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 no. There we go then. No. That's, that answers uh... that question. <laughs> So basically, Sean Connery, if we change Not a few things about about the circumstances of what's happened previously in Sir John Connery's life, he could play Vasily Artemyev in the future biopic of his life. Yeah, he will. He will. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's long since said he'll come out of retirement only for a Vasily Yeah, yeah, yeah. Retirement. Yeah, of course he's retired. Yeah. I forgot about that. He retired a couple of years ago, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. So he retired. That. He then, yeah, so he always said that. And Unless think... he's offered the role of Vasily Artemyev, that's when he would yes. reconsider. Yeah, and yeah, I think Formula we can talk about him swinger. though. Yeah, we can talk about him in detail though because he is dead. 
So that's fine. We can talk so about lost. What's going on? <laughs> I, I, I was Are we still talking about Sean Connery? Down. You know, Buck Shelford was on New Zealand Celebrity Treasure Island last was year. It? And I've just been looking through the lineup for it. And I'll tell you while saying that sentence, which what explains the, what a lot. What is the format of? What is that? Is that like? So, what is um, that? 21 celebrities separate into three tribes the Hona, Katipua, and Rupa, based on the a turtle, a spider, and a stingway. And they then need to. Co- it's basically, from what I can understand, it's basically like a I'm a celebrity, but with kind of more wholesome tasks. Like, it's not eating a spider, it's like go and find this thing hidden in a thing but they're all like camping out and hiding out and stuff right okay so you know it's apparently a huge show in new zealand apparently very very popular contestants win money for their chosen charities if they do it mm-hmm. uh if they manage it josh cronfeld has won two out of the 10 series oh wow <laughs> so they just had him back so on again what percentage of these people are rugby players and what percentage are power rangers so the only person i've heard of from this lineup for buck shelford's year is buck shelford okay um there is through the names i want to want to see there's tell you what also no there's actually in amongst of the 21 celebrities four of them are rugby players wow also a former black fern and a former rugby league player and i'll tell you what johnny tutovashek the brother of no so, wait, is he literally famous for being Roger Tuivasa-Shek's brother? Is that uh, literally... he, also played, he also played rugby league. But, okay, okay. Like, okay. he is most famous for being Roger's brother. I don't know what passes for a celebrity in New Zealand, right? But, yeah. I'm sure that we've had similar things in Britain, though, where somebody is famous for being somebody's brother and has got on celebrity... Hey, I've guessed it on people's podcasts before. <laughs> <laughs> There's no one, no one particularly famous here. I'm scrolling through, and there's a lot of like people that have been on Kiwi soap operas. Candy Lane, the dance icon, she did the New Zealand Dancing with the Stars. She was a guest on it, a guest judge, whatever. Okay, okay. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So, the uh, yeah. should we look at the game? Sure. Well, I mean, we started, you know, so they score the first try. Yeah, um, yeah. And then they score immediately after that. Yep. And I find it hilarious. <laughs> it's just very bad, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Wales yeah. are the, atrocious. The best thing is, like, there's a point where the commentator says, that's really good work there by Buchanan as he drives into touch. <laughs> and, like, he, you know, he does have, like, a strong leg drive to get 
himself off the pitch. And it's just like, yeah, well done winning that collision there, mate. You're, you've given them the ball, you dick. But yeah, great work by Buchanan there. And yeah, then, then Drake, John Drake scores from a mall and it's immediately 12 nil. And it's, we're what, five minutes in? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so there's a, there's a moment where Paul Forburn misses a kick to put them only three scores down after seven minutes. <laughs> and it kind of sums the game up. That kind of tells you everything you need to know. What I really liked about that is really wholesome is that the, 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 the kid who brings on the sand is wearing the mm. same jersey as the referee. Mm. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. Isn't that lovely? They've, they've given them the same kit for some reason all tournament. And it makes you think like, hold on a second, have they got like an 11-year-old touch judge? <laughs> yeah, just in case. <laughs> I like to think, like, if the touch judge got injured, they'd just call up, like, one of the kids, Sandboy. There's a point where I, I think it's noteworthy, and I've written down that Wales tackle John Kerwin. It is literally the only time it happens all game. But... All the tournament. Uh, yeah. yeah. I thought was in touch for the first try. <laughs> if, you know, for, if, you know, for checking that. Yeah, yeah. The referee, again, yeah. robbed us. Disgrace. There's... It's a very nice... No- Kerwin's first try is very nice. He takes it very well. Very good finish. Yeah, um, and just breezes on the outside of Hadley. Yeah, great pop, great fox by Grant Pass, mm. and then John Kerwin does a good finish. Very yeah, quick. Yeah, does, in a, he's, a rugby. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, I mean, as I say, like John, John Kerwin plays very well. As you said, like Yian Evans tries his best. Bless him. But there's a point where he gets the ball and there's not much he has that he can do. And you think like, oh, Jesus, like even Yian Evans is slicing kicks out on the floor, <laughs> like constantly. And that's there's... First touch. I'm certain that's his first touch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, pretty sure he is. puts his first two touches above kicks out on the floor. That's it. Because the second it's one... It's a scrum move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, they run that move, yeah, right? Well, where... Quite a nice move. It's all yeah, like... Jiffy gets the ball back on the loop and then sends this really nice long miss pass to Ian Evans, who then boots the ball immediately out on the full. And there's a point where I just think, oh, Jesus Christ, that was his best attack of the game. There's a bit where I think Devro, no, is it? Devro, it's one of their first attacks and he runs at the defence, gets an offload to Blood and Bowen, I think then they, mm. I think Hadley gets tackled into touch. <laughs> Bill Bowen goes, that's good. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they ran in New Zealand. No, 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 not many teams would run in New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, no one had thought about it before now. <laughs> they invented <laughs> not running away from black jerseys. It's, it's the thing that I noticed about one's commentary is like everything is like anytime New Zealand do something good. Oh, then at one point I think um, one of the Moriarty's just carries hard into contact, and he goes, ah, oh, taking a leaf out of New Zealand's book there. <laughs> <laughs> he's pumping his legs. Now they're like. It's... You know, Wales didn't turn up like with no concept of what rugby was. I went, oh, what are these? What are these Kiwis doing? Passing the ball backwards. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Running forward. Yeah, okay, yeah. Touching it down when they get to the end of the pitch. We'll try that. <laughs> Bill Bowman has this like incredible um, knack of describing the most obvious concept you've ever heard, as though he's never seen it before. Oh, even the Kerwin's first try. They're like, yeah, that pass. On Grand Fox, just allows Kerwin to to run to the ball and score. <laughs> oh yeah, I can see why we're going to make you president of this whole sport. <laughs> in how many ever years time? Don't overcomplicate it. 
I mean, he does say several times, like, oh, they don't overcomplicate it, the All Blacks. And also the amount of times he said the phrase, classic All Black play. (laughs) I've forgotten it, but if something bad happens, he's like, knock on. Classic All Blacks. (laughs) (laughs) I think about... One in three things that happen in this game are classic play, according to Bill Bowman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just the most, one of the most Alan Partridge pieces of commentary yeah. I've ever come across. That's just classic play. I love what, like, it was just like, I think it was just like Devro carrying into contact. So that's classic play. And like, what makes it, it's just, it's just happened right there. What makes it classic? You know? <laughs> it's a big day for the strong game of rugby. It is. With thirty years ago, it's not like it's not like McCartney like bringing out <laughs> <laughs> like B sides of Glastonbury, is it? <laughs> but the thing is, right? I'm quite, I have to say, like I am quite disappointed that Paul McCartney only brought out Dave Grohl and Bruce Springsteen at Glastonbury instead of John Devereux. Yeah, Mark Brook Cowden. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the only person who didn't watch McCartney at Glastonbury. Mm. I was second like, row from the front. Bloody... I just, I, I don't know why I didn't watch it. I think I'm just... Um... It was very good. Are you I Ollie waited... Barkley? Oh, huh? no, don't don't. Have you seen that. this clip of Ollie Barkley? Does he not know? So the... there's a clip of Ollie Barkley at Glastonbury. I don't know if there was just someone randomly interviewing him or if they were like, hey, your former England international and Scarlet Centre, Ollie Barkley. Yeah. Uh, we're going to ask you some questions while you're at Glastonbury. So basically, it was like, yeah, like my best mate is a dentist and he's Paul McCartney's tour manager's dentist. So they had some free tickets. So they let us, they let me, let me take a couple of them. So I'm here. And then the interviewer says, like, oh, you're going to go and see Paul McCartney then? And he goes, God, no, of course I wouldn't. You know, like he's 80. What's he going to do on stage now? And he was like, haha, probably shouldn't say that. Oh, sorry to Paul McCartney. Thanks for the tickets. Paul McCartney did call out Ollie Barkley on stage at that point. They cut it from the BBC broadcast, but he did say, like, if I've heard rumours that former Bath centre Ollie Barkley hasn't come to watch me, and I just want to say he's a cunt. He was always, McCartney was always more of a Shane Garrity man anyway. Yeah, yeah, he's never been a fan, famously never been a fan of, of Ollie Barkley. But fun, fun fact, you know, I'm going to kind of segue this back in a really strange way. So for that, that very Paul McCartney gig, I waited for five hours in front of the stage because I fancy being right at the front along with my friends. Yeah. And at one point in between, so the two acts on beforehand were Noel Gallagher and Haim. And in between those two acts, I heard somebody about two rows behind me saying they'd just walked past Jonathan Jiffy Davis. Really? Yep. Okay, I could see him there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and I know that he that, like is a Glastonbury goer because I've seen him tweet about yeah. it before. So I thought, all oh, right, okay, yeah. So Jiffy's like somewhere nearby. They put Heim between Noel Gallagher and McCartney. No, no, Heim were before Noel Gallagher. That'd be that'd be a culture clash for them. Yeah, yeah. I've never been the biggest fan of Heim. I don't. I, I don't mind them. I enjoy They're fine. Them. Their work on um, the Vampire Weekend's album, Father the Bride, was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that album was great until it turned out Ezra Koenig's like a really questionable human. Um, oh. Yeah. I didn't know any... What? I genuinely... Yeah, there's like there's like bad I... allegations against him. I love vampires. Is he a vampire? Yeah. Yeah, he is a vampire. Yeah. Yeah, yeah oh. I know. Not only not I... Friday, though. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Only, only, only Saturday yeah. to Sunday. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> sorry, Ben. I mean, like, oh, guys. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I saw, um, them, I saw them at Ali Pali a few years ago. They're great. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. I, again, saw them at Glastonbury. And I really regret not seeing Billie Eilish instead of them. That was in 2019. I saw them twice at Glastonbury. They played like a middle of the day, like 12 p.m. set where they were literally asking the crowd, like, what do you want us to play? Anybody in a Vampire Weekend t-shirt got a free request. They did, they did that at the end of their gig up there. They just like, go oh, nice. Some requests. I said English tea, and then I said ever-present past because I thought they must know some of McCartney's back catalogue. <laughs> but they didn't. No, no Haim songs, none of it. No. So I mean, what, what did McCartney? Because, like, like I say, I didn't watch it. Because I feel like I'm one of those people who, if everyone's if everyone's like on Twitter going, "This is a moment you have to watch," mm. I'll be like, "No, yeah, <laughs> yeah." I get I'm going to watch Wales New Zealand from 1987 instead. So, uh, yeah, but I think whenever there's like a big moment and tw- everyone on Twitter is like on about it, I'm like, ah, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna sit in my room and watch the West Wing or Still Game. <laughs> Very similar shows. Well, because like, yeah, yeah. the first half of it clashed with Scotland against Chile. So I watched that and changed over to Paul McCartney. And oh, tell you what, does not have the star power of Rodrigo Fernandez. No. Not, no. Nor the back catalogue. You know, no, like no, it's no. Just, just not quite the same. No. Not, not, not in the slightest. Did he, did he do Uncle Albert, Abner Halsey? Did he do any of those? Uh, no, he, he did. He did play Let Him In. The only mention about uncles um, the whole way through. He opened on Can't Buy Me Love. Nice. Uh, he played the the really um, highly requested songs, Come On to Me and For You from uh, 2018's uh, yeah. not very acclaimed album, Egypt Station. He yeah, he, he brought up Dave Grohl and they played I Saw Her Standing There. Genius songwriting, both those because "fuck you" is meant to sound like "fuck you." And that's yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like "for you." Get it? Yeah, yeah. It's it's like there's a it's like that Welsh the Welsh band um, "fuck coffee pow," which means coffee beans for everyone. But nice. it sounds like "fuck off" to everyone. That's just genius. But uh, and then the other nice. yeah, come on to you. Remember that one. Yeah, I find that I find that really strange though because like the lyrics of like "oh, if you come on to me, well, I come on to you." He wrote that when he was seventy six. Yeah. I think he heard blurred lines and thought I could do that. <laughs> it's like it's like that that new Marvin Gaye song's good. <laughs> <laughs> do you see Anton Dupont just tweeted the word blurred lines the other day? Oh, in God. English. What? He's an absolutely baffling man, is Antoine Dupont. He can get away with anything. Yeah, but like that's the thing about like if you follow Antoine Dupont on social media, right? All he seems to do is talk exclusively in like cryptic riddles. So, like, you just tweet, like, the sky meets the ground over the hill. And then, like, a photo of him, like, looking at a coffee or something. I think they've they've told him to lean into that whole sort of Gallic sort of philosopher thing, the Cantilar. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he does it in English as well, which is the other thing. He's going to enjoy that for the next year. But, yeah, it's, it's funny you say about McCartney, like, writing songs that sound sort of like he's 76 and he's writing songs like the trying the sound modern like yeah as this there's a song is it ever present past which like you wrote in 2007 and if the feeling had done it you'd be like oh, okay that's, <laughs> that sounds like a peak feeling song and yeah it's mccartney and it's yeah. like it's weird. only the bloody guy from the beatles oh you're not quite the feeling mate stick stay, stay in your, your own lane go back to doing your quaint edwardian ditties and your Three songs in one. Yeah, he brought up brought up Bruce Springsteen and they played Glory Days. That was good. 
and uh, and I want to be your man. So, but never marry Sophie Ellis Baxter. So another thing the feeling you've got over him. Huh. I thought you were about to say Bruce Springsteen did that. I was Bruce say... Springsteen's married to Sophie Ellis Baxter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Who yeah, I saw yeah. live as an undercard to Freddie Burns. Of course. I, I saw her as an undercard to the streets. I don't know which one of those two is strange. Same person. Same person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I have a thing where I think Mike Skinner looks weirdly a little bit like Ben Earl, and I can't get it out of my head. Like Kylie. Yeah. Well, that's, that's Kylie, not Sophie Ellis Baxter. Yeah, though we've come full circle. We've come full yeah, circle. Yeah. Sophie what year was Sophie Ellis Baxter in, in Neighbours? Yeah, she wasn't. Spoilers. If you want Sophie Ellis Baxter trivia, that's my area. She was brilliant when I saw her. She's just generally great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, to say like the amount of people in the crowd when she pl- did the, the, the kind of crowd warm up at the Premiership final this year. And that was a tough game. Introduced she gave it a best by Craig go. Doyle. Yeah. Yeah, like she gave it a best go. A lot of people in the crowd just go like, just play your one song, just sing your one song. It's like, no, like, there are several, there are like five albums of gold here. Like, like, if you're, if you want to be really casual about it, say three songs, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But that's that's what I say to McCartney, though, just play your one song. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) And then he plays for you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But uh, the thing I will credit McCartney for. Yeah, the one mm. thing. The one, yeah, yeah. one thing. He's the, the, the boldness to put reggae in a, in a Bond thing, which I don't. I think that yeah. Now, I will I will double down on that and say the boldness the boldness to do a reggae theme for Meat Free Mondays, mm. which is maybe Paul McCartney's finest work. Yeah, yeah, it's familiar, up there. Ben. Yeah, English is a great song because he gets the word. Um, Per adventure in it, and he's very proud of that. <laughs> but does he get the phrase "You can do it right now, please" in there? I don't think he does. Which he does in the Meat Free Monday song. So, honestly, uh, look it up when we're done. And if you are listening at home, mm. pause sorry, right now and, and listen yeah, to the Meat Free Monday song by Paul McCartney. It's <laughs> extraordinary. He does like a Jamaican accent halfway through. <laughs> he just slips into it. <laughs> just starts going, you can do it right now, please. And then leans into the camera as he goes, please, at the end. <laughs> have you? Have either of you ever seen the time when um, his son did, uh, James McCartney, did like a live television performance? And the interviewer beforehand just constantly kept saying like, oh, yeah, so um, I've heard that you're actually uh, the son of Paul McCartney. Uh, has that influenced your music at all? And he just kind of goes no, I don't really care. Like, oh, I guess he's my dad, but that's just kind of the way it is. And he's like extremely, may I say, boring. And then the the, the interviewer goes, oh, actually, we've also, uh, while we're here, we've got in touch with somebody who you might know to send a little message. Here it is. Hey, Rock it, man. I know you will. Do, do, do. Yeah. Ring of Star. <laughs> <laughs> and he just goes, oh, cool. And that's it. <laughs> it's, it's, for anyone else, it's a big deal. But you just get a message off his dad. Exactly, exactly. Like, they wasted their chips of like, oh, yeah, we could get in touch with Paul McCartney to do, you know, to send us a message. Like, people will pay a lot for this kind of thing. And that guy, if they're wasting it on a guy to just go, oh, dad, okay, fine. Could you get me anybody else? That is just incredible there's one where he goes on Howard Stern and he does like a um, as a foreign voice which is hilarious because <laughs> it always reminds me of that John Mulaney sketch on Saturday Night Live almost it's like the sitcom 
He's a sitcom creator. He's like, should I do the voice? I won't do the voice. I'll do the voice a little bit. It's, like, <laughs> it's just Paul McCartney going like full patois. It's like um, like a, like Tom Hanks' son. It's just, it's wonderful. Oh, yeah, yeah. Extraordinary thing to have happened, Chet Hanks. Extraordinary man to exist. I'm going to steer us back to the game briefly, if that's okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bri- um, as long as it is brief. Okay. John Kerwin scores a second try. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah. Very simple. Yeah, he switch, gets it on the switch. Scores. Yeah. yeah. And, the thing is, yeah, he gets it on the switch and Wales go, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> he just let him through. It is mental how, like, powerful the switch was back in the 80s. Yeah. Mm. Like, John Stanley scores a try in the second half, and it's, like, it's unstoppable. Yeah, yeah. It explains why when you watch Invictus, Clint Eastwood was so obsessed with the switch. Because like most of the rugby scenes in Invictus are just switches, just Clint Eastwood shooting switches over and over again. <laughs> it's a little scene just like a, it's like a fifteen man switch, just like Clint stop. <laughs> Directed by Clint Eastwood and Sid going. Yeah. <laughs> the collab a, we're still waiting for. Yeah, yeah. There's a point where there's a collapsed scrum and Richard Moriarty punches Don John Drake in the face for no reason at all. I absolutely love it. <laughs> the punch just catches him. And then it's just like, you'll get a warning for that. Yeah. <laughs> and he does, you know, like, but it's literally the scrum falls over in front of him and nobody is at fault. Nobody's doing anything wrong. And then he just straight left hooks him straight in the jaw. I'm here for it. Just yeah, Mori- Moriarty's both, uh, particularly, no, particularly in fairness, Paul Moriarty is everywhere, as you've said, like in yeah, terms of the rugby stuff. Like, also, the amount of punches he tries throwing. And... They seem to have just like divided the task between the two of them evenly. So, like, Paul Moriarty is doing the, the shidowsery and the punching and the like elbowing people in the face. He yeah. does a lot of it, right? And Richard Moriarty just. Rich Murray just does the rest of it. Like, he does like the running and the tackling and the catching mm, sure. and the, you know, yeah. like. The, he did all the rest of it, and Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney would just punch everyone in the face. Play him in his left hand base. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Jamesy. Yeah. I don't know why we went into Ernie from the Muppets there. <laughs> it sounds like Kermit the Frog after he's just taken a lot of medication. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was Jimmy Cagney. But... <laughs> or Hans de Goody, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> so David Cook drops a ball over the try line, and you kind of realise, like, is at that point you think like, oh right, so like this could have been a lot worse. And also, like the Olympics aren't trying. No, like they kind of once they get that second Kerwin try, they kind of go into second gear a bit. Yeah, like, Hosea, really- as we call it, you know, like they start in Rico yes. and they go into Hose- yeah. shoot me yeah. in the face. John Devereux so, gets interception and, and gets called back for offside. Gets and Graham Fox kicks it. <laughs> he goes for goal because yep. why not? Yeah, twenty-seven nil. <laughs> Yeah, pretty depressing. And Jiffy decides the only way we can deal with this is by randomly kicking the ball in the air. The first oh time my god! The first time they get in the twenty-two, he just goes, "I know it'd be genius if I kick it to John Kerwin." Everyone really? is in front of him. He hangs it randomly in the air so Kerwin can take it under only pressure from Jiffy himself. Yeah, stupid. Stupid. Uh, then Yain Evans kicks the ball out in touch on his own. Yep. Just again, looking, looking hair of the dogish. Looking like he isn't quite sure where he's running. He has like one good run in the second half, and then you realize it's all sideways, and just the camera angle makes it look like a good run. Like it's, it's impressive, you know. It's good, 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 good yarn work. Merlin the magician couldn't have drunk it any faster. Um, <laughs> then we get to halftime, 
Anything yeah. else in the first half? I mean, Moriarty drives to the line at one point and then they have to pause because Richie Collins gets injured and we just get absolutely monstered at the scrum. Uh, Very bad. Yeah. I think Phil Davis gets injured from that scrum. Yeah. Your black goes down the other end. It's just Phil Davis getting treatment. Like the scrum is so bad that the opposition number eight gets injured because he yeah. gets trampled through. On Wales has put in as well. Like, yeah. Awful. No. Um, yeah, half time happens and, you know, they gloss over that on the coverage. And then, to be fair, like the very first thing that happens in the second half is Wales have a bit of a run where like, Jiffy makes a break, gives a really good pass to Yayan, who throws what is described as a marginally forward pass <laughs> to Moriarty to get ruled out. And literally. Moriarty does well to get to it. Yeah. <laughs> he starts off on the five meter line as he's throwing the ball and Moriarty catches it over the try line. Yeah. Marginal, marginal. You yeah, know, but you, you can't blame Yayan, you know? If you if you start playing Chaos and Creation in the backyard, uh, McCartney's 2005 album, you start playing it at the kickoff. I think by the time that Devro does go for the try, the, the violin section to start English tea will be playing. <laughs> so that's one for, for listeners to try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll give that a go. Uh, I mean, I've not let tried let, that myself. Let us know in the reviews if that works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is, is, is reviews still a thing on podcasts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've not received any in a while, but maybe that's because we're not prompting them with Paul McCartney themed ideas. Yeah, it's just you should do like other podcasts. I've noticed do this, you know, do stuff where they sort of look for to, to get comments and stuff in the reviews, and they'll read out ones on the podcast. So mm. there's an idea for you if you're lacking content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've done that once or twice, but we've never sort of like verbalised. It's something we're definitely going to do. So oh, let us know where English tea plays in the second half of uh, the half. Let us know what your favourite Paul McCartney song to listen to while watching this match is. How many of this all black backline would it take to beat the entire frog chorus in the fight? <laughs> in Shrewsbury, right. They play Live and Let Die, and the king, of course, is a frog. And it's like, well, why, why didn't you play Frog Chorus? It's a very good question. It is a good question. Frog yeah. Chorus is, look, if you were putting together an ideal McCartney set list, you'd have that, you'd have For You, you'd have Come On To Me, you'd have Meat Free Mondays, both the like both the main one and the reprise. Mm. I think we're most of the way there. I think that you really missed a few tricks at last night. Yeah, hey, Jude. Um, how much do you reckon it costs to get a McCartney song in like a film or TV program? Oh, it's... it's... Mad, Mad Men spent 250000 on a Beatles track. Yeah, that's is um, kind of that. It's like, it is absurd. Apparently you're looking at like four times they, the price what, of anything else. What, what did they have? They had, they had some sort of a revolver, didn't they? Mm. Because it's that classic one, it's like Don Draper's listening to Revolver. Which, you know, anyone who listens to Revolver is, you know, the question should be, why do they follow um, Here, There and Everywhere with uh, Yellow, Yellow Submarine? Yeah, yeah. You've got McCartney's basically his answer to God Only Knows. Yeah. <laughs> that little battle he's been having with Brian Wilson, it's like, here's a song we let <laughs> Ringo write about a submarine. <laughs> Fun fact, in primary school, we sung Yellow Submarine as like a hymn. In assemblies, better than Kumbaya. So, yeah. uh, it's like why, why, why couldn't these teachers like tomorrow never knows instead? Or I remember being taught. I, wanna, I got taught. I want to hold your hand. Our entire oh, class wow. had to learn it by heart what? when I was in primary school. By our teacher, she just kind of went like she gave us the like, the 
the lyrics told us all we had to memorize it by like wednesday so we could sing it in a school assembly oh interesting that she didn't go for me mr mustard instead or any of the psychedelic Beatles she did, era yeah that was next that was the sequel okay. yeah <sighs> yeah is that the one that frankie howard sang in the 70s movie the sergeant pepper movie which with the bgs and uh, peter frampton hmm. ivy cutler um i don't know the, the no. horrendous movie basically ended Peter Frampton's career and, and stalled the Bee Gees for years. Steve Martin sings Maxwell's Hammer in it. Ah, mm. uh, yeah, I wasn't taught that one in school either. Try that. No, we we never got taught Urban Space when we got taught. Mm. I, t- yeah. I tell you what, like I wasn't taught enough stuff that is based around musicians doing lots and lots of drugs. Uh, none of the Janis Joplin or any of that. Like it was only really? Keen where uh, where I- we were. Yeah, I feel like I've told my Keen story on the pod. I think that's the third time we've recycled it. Such an egregious use of two bands. The fact that you use Keen as the anti-drugs band and Alien Ant Farm as the... the <laughs> that was Alien Ant Farm. Drugs, drugs make good music. It's like, yeah, you've just done a, you've done a Scar version of a Michael Jackson song. Disgrace. Absolute disgrace. <laughs> You couldn't. You don't need to get high if you're going to write Crystal Ball and get Giovanni Ribisi to star in the music video. You don't need it. Famed Scientologist Giovanni Ribisi. That explains where he's been the last ten years. I think he is. I think he is. Because he was Scientologist. He was everywhere for a few years around like 2009 to 2013, Mm. and then he disappeared off the face of the earth. And you know what? Makes sense if he's he's too busy doing Scientology. You know, they only let Tom Cruise and Elizabeth Moss out, but the rest of them have to stay inside. <laughs> Elizabeth Moss. <laughs> it's good that they let her out. Yeah, they, they let her out to find the lights, yeah. Oh. I found out that Giovanni Ripsey was a Scientologist because I was searching for Elizabeth Moss for some reason. And then they, I think they'd been in something. And it's like, right. But yeah, because I didn't realise that she was until the other day. There's, yeah, yeah. There's a bit in... It to be to marry Fred Armisen. <laughs> He seems like he seems like a great comedian, but it's like, don't you marry him? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep, no, I co-sign. There's a bit in Seth Rogen's autobiography where he talks about basically him and Judd Apatow were invited to Tom Cruise's house for like basically it was like it was just before um Tropic Thunder and he wanted to be in a comedy and he was like, So I'm just gonna invite a load of people to make comedies and I'm gonna pick one of them. And he, he invites Seth Rogen and Judd Apatow to his house to be like, What ideas have you got that I can do? What do you fancy? And so they went down and they kind of talked for ideas and so on. And then after about half an hour, Tom Cruise says to them, you know, the thing about Scientology is, like, I reckon that if I if you gave me half an hour of your time, I could explain it to you and you go, that's what Scientology is. And you would join up immediately and spend the rest of your life as a Scientologist. <laughs> and Judd Apatow goes like, oh, I'm sorry, we've got to go. Like, we're busy now. We're, we're off. And Seth Rogen, like, and this is exactly how I would have felt, was like, no, actually, I want to hear Tom Cruise's pitch. <laughs> like, I, I want to hear what Tom Cruise would say if he wanted to convince me to become a high-ranking Scientologist. And I would be so cool. curious in that situation. Appetite was just furious that anyone could condense anything into half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> he would have done it in four. Yeah. But most of it would have been Melissa McCarthy improvising, so... What film? What, 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 funny People? Is that the film that funny Tom people. Cruise would have been in? I guess it was about that time. It would have been about Funny People. So he, funny People was 2009, wasn't it? Yeah. So it would have been about the but... What, the Sandler part? The Ray Romano part? Eminem? I think it probably would have been... <laughs> fucking long. <depressed. laughs> 
It's funny. People is a film with an audience of about ten people, and most of them are in the film. Yeah, it's it's an impossibly niche for such a long and weirdly expensive film. It's it's got that nice title of the fifth best dramatic role Adam Sandler's done. Look, Ben, I just need to know your opinions on Julia Louis Dreyfus. Do you know what? I was watching a couple of Seinfeld episodes today. <laughs> it's just wonderful. Just a wonderful, you know. She thought she had rabies. Uh, season five, episode three, glasses, and uh, the way she makes a mouth phone when she drinks a glass of water is just—it's it's wonderful. It is just—it's wonderful comedy. No wonderful Aaron Smith agrees. Mm. Yes, and it's genuinely one of my favorite things to come out of rugby in the last two years is Aaron Smith being a massive Seinfeld fan, experiencing it for the first time now. It's on Netflix. He's had a—he's had a great sort of redemption story the last few years, obviously since. <laughs> Yeah, the affidavit, <laughs> and yeah, I think, but I think part of it is part of it is because he just seems quite affable on social media in terms of doing Q and A's. Yeah, mm. no chat. Just know, seems like a... answering like Paul Williams's questions. He seems like a nice guy. Yeah, seems like a very very lovely man who doesn't think very deeply about things, but you know what? He's delighted by them all. And I love that. I wish I was mm. Aaron Smith. At some point, I think Faf and Nick White are going to have to sort of do that to stop yeah. whoever their personas are going right now. Is <laughs> the bad boys of Test Rugby? They're going to have yeah, to sort the of downward stop. trajectory starts here. Yeah, I think I think Faf's going to come out have to come out and say, "I've just discovered Will and Grace, and <laughs> it's wonderful." You know. Nick White watching Everybody Hates Chris, you know. Do you think, actually, Faf and his fiance, who looks so much like him, mm. is a kind of Will and Grace situation? Do you think they're actually, there's actually something else going on there? Do you think there's a... This isn't my place to speculate. Let's go back to the game. John Devereux scores a try. He does. He uh, does. Good angle he runs. Um, and Wales you know. does get like, a patronising applause from the crowd, and it's a semi-final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, it's like it's 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 good by Devro. You know, I like that try. Yeah, the crowd have hopped up on the whole neighbours' wedding excitement. It's, it's yeah. you know, however many days, July the first, they're going to hear that song. Suddenly, is it? That's going to be everywhere for years to come. So yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I also I liked so in the build up to that try, uh, Yian Evans makes a break down the wing and gets tackled into touch by John Kerwin, sort of yeah. about five, six, seven meters out from the try line. And it is a long way. Yeah. <laughs> Bill Beaumont on the commentary says like, "Oh whoa, he should have just dived. If he starts diving around now, then he'll be okay." And when he says now, he's like ten meters from the goal line. <laughs> it's like, what should they need to do? Like Superman dive. He is, he's far away. It also Kerwin's already like in front of him. Yeah, it's not, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not even like Kerwin's like snagged him from the side. Kerwin's basically like come in front of him and just stopped him like face on. <laughs> so even if he dived, it's just Kerwin's there. Yeah, he should, is he should have stopped, stepped inside him, you know, and you know. Sure. Yeah, yeah. That's that's you know. What you? Yeah. What what clip is it? Is it the Mark Jones? Near like the the try against France, mm. some of the comments are fantastic. On that, it's like <laughs> there's Mark Jones nearly scoring one of the, the great try six nations, and people are like, should have looked around him. You know, if he kicks it to the corner, someone scores. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he should be looking for support. And it's like, what? 
I've never seen any of those, to be honest. But then again, I don't work for Wales Online, so I don't have to like see these all the time. I swear there's that one. I swear there's a Willie LaRue one where I've seen it. It's like, you know, Willie LaRue's made a break and then people are like, well, why didn't he just kick it over there? It's like, no, because no one, no one ever does that. No. You know? Why didn't you just kick it over there? Yeah, just, just mad. Sometimes yeah, people think so. If Evans does it in every game and it never works. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Loves to oh, kick it inside. I've seen that with, uh, you know, the Alan Wynne-Jones interception against the All Blacks yeah, in like, yeah. 2010, oh, when you had Tom Shanklin running a really shit support line. And everybody, and not everybody, I've seen a couple of people saying, like, oh, we should have put a kick in. It's like, mate, this is like a 23-year-old Alan Wynne-Jones we're talking the, here. The thing is, like, when people say that, it's like, I'm trying to, the amount of times you've seen, oh, was it probably the Palak or someone? Mm-hmm. Mm. There's the amount of times I've seen like second rows who have like tried to put a grubber in and are completely missed the ball. Who was it? Someone did it on the Lions store last year, or someone did it in a big game, maybe for the All Blacks. George Cruz has done it a few times, and they've yeah. done it. They've, they've literally like tried to put a grubber in, missed the ball, and then as they've dra- dragged their leg back, stepped on the ball and say, "Yeah, <laughs> ankle's gone." I think yeah, I, that's mad. That that um, Alan and Jones intercept because it was that weird period of like getting closer to the All Blacks, getting closer, mm. and it very quickly got away from us. And then two years later, everyone's celebrating Gatlin doing a 15-man lineup. Yeah. <laughs> he played that card at the complete wrong time. Like, or 30 no, 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 points no, because that was such a weird thing. No, because Wales... 33-0 down. It's just like, oh, fuck it, yeah. But no, so, yeah. Wales, this is the thing everyone forgets, right? Wales, twice in the first five minutes of that game, have penalties oh, yeah. in the kick for the corner when they're both kickable. And Priestley misses the touch both times. And clearly they were wanting to do that in the first five minutes. Yeah, and then yeah. freeze and misses touch, so it doesn't happen. And they don't get another attacking line out till they do have a half time team talk in between. Yeah. Where yeah, they go yeah. like, you know, how about we just don't do that now? We just save it back for next week. No, we'll get ourselves back in the game, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's like the seven. John Devro try. You thought everything's starting to change, you know. Yes. Referee just cost yeah, them. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. It's then not long afterwards. So Alan Wetton scores another try. Yeah. Because um, he loves he loves scoring those tries. Trying every game. And, yeah. So far. But you know what move they score it from? They run lefto. <laughs> oh, yeah. They run lefto, which is, uh, you could, if you're being really technical, call it 89 lefto, which is eight to the that's nine on time. the left. Not yeah. Sure. And that's that's a genuine thing that's come from commentary before. That's that's called the lefto move, which means go to the left, which no opposition's ever figured out. They and... got all, everything. <laughs> that O makes it really, really discreet. I think. Sean Maloney said that right now. I'd be like, genius. <laughs> delivery in it. It's the confidence of delivery. If, if Sean Maloney said it, like on on Fox or whatever, I'd be like, yeah, yeah. I could, I could buy that as a as a, like a. A genuine sort of Southern Hemisphere move that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That goes for basically everything Sean Maloney says. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Or if, or if Justin Marshall said it. Yeah, I think they're the two. They're the two yeah. I can go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dream team. Whereas if Grant Nisbet said it to Justin Marshall, complete opposite. Yeah. Wouldn't buy it for a second. <laughs> you think lefto means running to the right. You know? Yeah. You mean, oh, you left the ball behind. That's where they. That's where they get you. Them sneaky all blacks. They would run. <laughs> but yeah, they run left though, and then Craig Green gets tackled, and bloody Alan Weston just drives over from there because only five yeah, meters out. Picks it up, scores, isn't he? Very easy. Grant Fox misses, and I've just got written down. Lol, so shit because that's the first time he's missed a kick in like three games. It's pretty bad, isn't he? Pretty bad. Yeah, pretty bad. Speaking of pretty bad, yeah, we then have the thing that happens that 
I mean, there's other tries, and no one gives a shit. Like, yeah, he goes down, he scores, no one cares. You know? Yeah, Cowden oh. scores. Cowden, yeah. He just kind of sneaks That's over and name. does some like, forward it's stuff. Like the one, yeah, it's, the, it's like on the, the right wing. He just he just seems to sort of pop through, and, and the referee falls over the same time. Yeah, <laughs> well, just because Paul Moriarty pushes yeah. the ref over. It's just a strange. Oh, okay. It comes from nowhere where he just scored, but, you know. Yeah, it, yeah. They all count. Yeah, yeah, and Moriarty pushes the ref because he's done with the New Zealand team, so he just goes, you're next. Different. Yeah, and that's all of the stupid, boring tries out the way, Robbie. Do you want to yeah. crack on? The thing that happens. The, yeah, it's brilliant. The, the most I talked about moment from this game. Yeah. The first red card in Rugby World Cup history. Yep. The, the very first sending off. It should be about the 18th, but we're here. We finally made it, and it should be... One of two in this moment, but you know what? That's fine. <laughs> I mean, at least two, I'd imagine. Is it? Is it Shelford on the receiving end? No, it no. it's it's Wetton, isn't it? Yeah, okay. Two witches unloaded so... about four, three or four on on Wetton, and then Buck Shelford just blindsides him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's great because Hugh oh, Richards, God. right? So Hugh Richards. Punch to the face, knocks out Alan Wetton completely yeah. unprompted. Like there is nothing to provoke this at all. And he just go straight. Oh, there is, no, there's a slight tug on his shoulder of the jersey. Like, like there's a slight one. tug back. So he just yeah, he un- un- unleashes a few punches. Totally deserved yeah. then. Sorry. And then so, straight in the face. Then the moment kind of like his fist unconnects from his face. Suddenly, Buck Shelford from the side, yeah, just blindsides, smashes Hugh Richards. He um, falls to the floor. He's out cold. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Buchanan then, I think, tries to have a go at someone. He attempts to punch Shelford. Yeah, he falls over. And then it's just, you're left with Moriarty just having a chat to Shelford. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what I love is like, yeah, so it, it, there's a, a small chain of punches. Yeah. So Richards on Wetton. Shelford on Richards, Buchanan attempted on Shelford, and then somebody else, I'm not really sure, comes in and then smashes Buchanan back with another punch to the face. And the fight ends there. That's the whole fight. Nobody then like goes for each other. It's just kind of like, okay, that's his dumb fellas. I think Shelford and Moriarty just sort of think, right, okay, we're, we're clearly the two here. <laughs> yeah. The best part is then, well, obviously when it's a little bit further on down the line, so obviously Richards has to be revived by the physio. Yeah, you know, which is just a bloke in a tracksuit with a with a sponge. Yeah, who looks, who looks really annoyed that he's wasted the sponge because it's like he revives him with a sponge. Modern medicine for you, and he gets sent off. He's like, oh well, didn't need to do that, did I? Just wasted the sponge. <laughs> <laughs> just looks it, at it stuff. It's the fact that like Richard starts walking back onto the field because there's no actual cards back then. The referee just goes, no, no, you're <laughs> you're going off, and then as he goes off. You can see Richard t- like turns to the camera and shakes his head, like, "What's he like sending me off? All I did was punch a guy." And then the commentator's like, "Well, it was six to, six to one, half a dozen to the other." I was like, "No, it wasn't. It was three by Richard and then one from Shelf." Yeah, <laughs> and also like <laughs> Beaumont says that twice. Like he's really trying to show off that that's part of his lingo. The oh, six of one, half a dozen of the other. It's like, yeah, I heard you the first time, Bill. So the day before the Sam Warburton, the Sam Warburton red card, the game in 2011, that semi-final against France, yes. right? The Telegraph published an article called "Semi-Final Injustice Still Form Still Pains Former Wales Star After Semi-Final." Exclusive interview as Wales played the second semi-final in their history this weekend. The man who's sending off overshadowed their first 
tells Graham Plutton how he was convinced he was hard done by. Bullshit! So, A, impossibly timely curse there. Yeah. They just put on that, talking about it being overshadowed Imagine by Sam Warburton saying, like, yeah, come up to me and tell me how hard done by you were when you literally punched him in the face. And the the whole thing, basically, his take is, I got punched in the face and I... And I got, I was the one who got sent off for it. Ignoring the fact he does punch someone in the face. I was going to say, like, technically, that story is true, right? He did get punched in the face and he did get sent off. Not for it, but he did get sent off. That much is true. In fairness, the amount of punches in the game before. Yeah. It is a bit like, oh, we're doing it now? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh, like in this whole World Cup, like, that's the. That's the first sending off in the whole World Cup ever. And would it be fair to say that was... I mean, certainly up there, but that might not have been the most like obvious red card punch that's happened in the World Cup. Like, There's been plenty that are of a similar ilk. I mean, it was pretty obvious still. It was pretty, yeah, yeah. It made me laugh hysterically, seeing him like just have no subtlety to it. I think Buck Shelford's was more obvious. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He's literally walked up to him and just chinned him. Like knocked him out. Yeah. And you got the two. You got the trainers there on the sideline in their Adidas tracksuits. <laughs> One of two people to own red Adidas tracksuits. The other being Run DMC. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's a wonderful scene. In fact, he he does have the advantage of being Buck Shelford and like being essentially the hardest rugby player to have ever lived. Yeah. When was, was when was when was the France? That was nineties win of the France. It was no eighty six. That was a year before this. Year before mm. this. Was that before? Yeah. So he is playing at this point with the ruptured scrotum. Because I thought from some of your, your teasing in the previous episode that that happened in this game. I thought it was this game. I yeah. and I spent the whole game on edge thinking it was this game. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I had it wrong. I had it wrong. That's it was fact. against France the previous year. Because I was not sure how we were going to talk about a man rupturing no. his scrotum. And yeah, then coming yeah. back on 20 minutes later. As you do, as you do with any sort of incident. I yeah. Every time I've ever ruptured my scrotum, I've come onto a rugby pitch twenty minutes later. It's true, like, it's true. I've never done that without going onto a rugby pitch afterwards. Yeah, yeah. It's just a part of the procedure, isn't it? That's a uni, um, just work uni japes. <laughs> uni rugby team japes. Hey, lads, 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 and indeed lads. So Hugh Richards said. 20 years later, after the punch, I don't regret what happened. It was one of those things that goes on in rugby. I just happened to be the one who copped the punishment. I took a few elbows, but that seemed to go under the radar. I took a punch as well. The officials missed that. They saw me as the aggressor and decided to send me off. So I played the game then. hard and saw no problem in sorting things out on the pitch. <laughs> it was part and parcel of the game. So you can imagine how frustrated I was when I saw the ref point to the touchline. It wasn't far to go, but it felt like a very long walk. Uh, it's funny. He didn't watch it again until the 2007 World Cup when a journalist rang him to ask about it and made him watch it back. Jesus. That's probably where he learned that he actually threw a punch, to be fair. Yeah. Because having having his lights knocked out by Shelford afterwards probably didn't give him the best, most reliable recollection of it. However, the cameras in the stadium, yeah. Paul Moriarty said of it, They'd given us a right beating and it was late in the game when this fight broke out. I spoke with Shelford after it, but I can't recall what he said. <laughs> he was a decent bloke, a hard man, obviously, but I didn't find him dirty. Back then, it was a different sport. Yeah. He's not far wrong. Can I no. Yeah. 
Seems like a reasonable uh, assessment by Moriarty. But my favourite take on this, right, is Mark Rings, who, <laughs> right, Mark Ring has something to say on every everything that happened to Wales in this World Cup. He's a constant fixture. He's not obviously not in the centre in this game. Was he actually in the World Cup squad? Uh, he was on yeah, the bench. Yeah. He was on yeah. the bench. So after this game, right, Zinzan Brook calls over the Welsh replacements and says, do any of you fancy a game of touch? So the Welsh team, the Welsh replacements played against the Kiwi replacements a game of touch. <laughs> so they can get battered again. Yep. Yep. New Zealand won that by a similar margin, apparently. <laughs> Despite Wales having two extra men. Oh my God. Because Benny Cahill, who played most of the game, didn't play in it. Punched a man and, and got sent off. Had... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Had an extra guy. But right. Having seen what happened, right, Mark Ring had had been given John Kerwin shorts because, do. yeah, you know, like, it's, you, sometimes you just need John Kerwin shorts. And so he said as a gesture, he thought, I tried to cheer you up, so I gave them to him. <laughs> he tried to put them on, but they wouldn't go anywhere near him. They didn't fit him. That's incredible. Like, Firstly, right, trying to cheer somebody up over the fact that he punched somebody yeah. <laughs> by giving him one of the opponent's shorts. Like the guy's just got two tries against you. Yeah, the like guy's a... just dicked us. Wales' biggest ever defeat at this point. <laughs> one of the people responsible for that. Yeah, you can have it. You can have what he was wearing on his legs. That would cheer well, you up. I like the idea of Tavis Noyle going up to Sam Walton in 2011 going, <laughs> it is Terry uh, gun shield going to <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> These studs fell out of Alexis Palisson's boots. Do you want him? <laughs> Sorry about the loss. Oh, dear. Oh, I, man. I don't, I don't think Tavis is on the bench. so. I, I think I he was. That. I think he was. Oh, no, it might have been Lloyd Williams by then. Lloyd, yeah. Lloyd, mm. Lloyd usurped him, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He did. We should cover the 2011 World Cup and, and know the, figure these things out. That Samoa game was good, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. There's, uh, so the last thing I have in the whole game is that, uh, other than the fact that Shelford then scores afterwards, but it's the same try as the first one, so we can just gloss over that. But apparently the players are distracted by some sorts of going on in the terrace, and I have no idea what the commentator's on oh. about there. But apparently all of the players like have their backs turned to like New Zealand as a line-out setting because something funny is going on in the terraces of the stadium, and I can't figure it out. I immediately start scanning to see if there's a dog coming on the pitch. And... <laughs> Classic 87 World Cup. Yeah. But Everybody's no, heard, like, have you heard the Scott and Charlene are engaged? Yes. <laughs> when do you think they're going to, you know, tie the knot? Well, like, the... do, you think, do you think about 16 million people watching the UK? Yeah, probably. Yeah, <laughs> things, things, like that. things like that. The only stuff you can find on this game when you look it up from a kind of worst perspective is the red card. Like, there's a lot of chat mm. on the red card. Yeah. And... Basically, nothing else was discussed. Yeah, Wales don't do no. anything else. No, that's I'm it. Sure, like, I'm not sure Hugh Richards ever played for Wales again. <laughs> I don't think he did. I think, I think that was his last cap. Not, what not a sure. way to go out, though. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. That was his last game. What a remarkable thing. He continued to play too. for several years for Neef, his Wikipedia page mm. tells us. Yeah. So um, he does the exact same thing every week. Yeah. Yeah. Playing for Neef in the 90s, 80s and 90s. Gone out on a bang. I respect punches, it. punches, man. Just, there yeah. you go. 
like Gavin Thomas, you know, punching Allbuck in the face. Last cap. Yeah. It's Heroic. the way to do it. It's the way to do it. More players need to do it. More Welsh players need to follow this this trend. This oh, autumn. What? When was that? Gavin Thomas. Twenty ten. Yeah. He got. He had like a late resurgence, and then came in for a three test series against the All Blacks, and yeah. then at the end got sent off for punching Sam Whitelock. My God, I forgot that he got sent off. Man. Yeah, yeah, it but it was, it was funny though. It was worth it. Like you're just like, oh, it's just Gavin Thomas doing his thing, and just whatever. Good laugh. Love Gavin Thomas. It was great work. Great work by Gavin Thomas. So I mean, should we move on to the man of the match and dick of the day? Should we? Yeah, we might as well. <sighs> what do you want to start? Dick of the day. Sure. I mean, I've got written down Grant Fox's one because he missed a kick. It's quite difficult mm. to think of one who wasn't Welsh, or the whole Welsh team. So I'm going to give it to that interviewer in front of James McCartney for, you know, the get it, getting Paul McCartney on the phone on his, to his own son. So Yeah. Stupid. So that interviewer is my dick of the day. Okay. Well, I mean, look, I'm also struck. I mean, there's kind of two contenders for me, right? One is Wales in general. Yeah. I mean, but the it's pretty hard to pick something out in general, like... Rob Jones having a bad game after being Wales's best player in the tournament. Yeah, and kind of the one so. spark of hope in that previous game where they were dog shit, but still won. But, right, look, I can't, I'm not going to pretend it's anyone but Jiffy because it's Jiffy. Yeah, it's it's, it's Jiffy. Really. It's Jiffy. I don't care. I won't ask you for any justification on that. Ben, any thoughts? I'm going to go for Edna Stewart. <laughs> Edna Swart for eliminating Buck Shelford from the 2021 Celebrity Treasure Island. How oh. dare you? How dare you, Edna? I, 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 I completely misread her name. <laughs> Edna Swart, 31, entrepreneur slash influencer, chosen oh. by the Stroke Foundation. I shouldn't have read that in a bad tone, actually. That's a charity. <laughs> yeah. uh, Damn that's you and your Stroke Foundation. <laughs> I, kept, oh. I, kept, I kept the tone going too long. You dick. Oh, Edna Stewart, or whatever her name is, dick of the day. Edna. The swat, I, I do apologize for getting your name wrong, but 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 not for saying you dick of the day for getting rid no. of Buck Shelford, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. She could Probably. have not done that, you know. She didn't get sent off for it, you know. No, should have done. That's the only injustice. Didn't even win the whole thing because Chris Parker, twenty nine comedian, won it. Oh, and you know what? Fair play to him, you know. But yeah, what I would say is, Buck Shelford was the last contestant remaining who had a Wikipedia page. <laughs> So in terms of the real celebrities, he won. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Wikipedia is the true winner at the end of the day. Indeed. Well done, Jimmy Wales. The only Wales that won today. Man of the match? Wikipedia founder Jimmy Wales? I mean, Alan Wetton played well, didn't he? But sure. I think my man of the match has got to be Buck Shelford. Yeah. Pretty straightforward. Scored a couple of tries, made a few massive hits, and just generally was, was good at the rugby. I'm so burned out on talking about rugby at this point that sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, after all of this, we, that I can't be bothered to justify we've spoken, it. We've spoken a lot about rugby on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, we really have. We really have. Too much. Too much. Now. Yeah. I don't think he was necessarily the most involved player, but John Kerwin. He's good sure. when he did the thing. So, John <laughs> Kerwin, man of the match. Jesus Christ. As I'm concerned. And Ben? Well, it's funny because you just used a direct quote from my man of the match there. Uh, he good when he done the thing. Uh, I'm going for Bill Beaumont. <laughs> I thought he was brilliant. I just thought he was great. Yeah, yeah a great way he did the thing, especially. to the man who kept putting fifty p's in the meter of his phone, <laughs> keep him on the line because that would have that wouldn't have been that would have been difficult. Absolute nightmare. Yeah, yeah. 
That was like it's... a tiny Josh Beaumont just popping them in, <laughs> like hopping up. Very rugby to have to recognise those people, really yeah. important people. Fun fun fact: I've had a I've had a sweary phone call from one of the players involved in this match. Really? And I've, also, I've also horrendously embarrassed myself in a podcast in front of one of the players in this match. Can you tell us more? I can name one of them. I can't name the other. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay. So yeah, I think I think I've told the story about Sean Fitzpatrick. Oh yeah, you right, have, okay. you have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he said, "That's a nice lockdown beard," and I was like, "It's a sofa, Sean." And he meant <laughs> uh, accents are hard. You know, it's just difficult. Yeah, but yeah, the player I can't name. But yeah, but I've had a nice. <laughs> wasn't happy with some stuff I wrote, and uh, rang me up to tell me. Fair enough. Very sweary. Very fun. I think that's as good a note to wrap this up on as any. I think so. I think so. Partly once on the court. What are you going to do? It's a real shame. It's a real shame. So yeah, if you you got to this part of the podcast and you're still listening to McCartney's uh, solo albums, Mm. hopefully you'll be about 2007 by now. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Depending where you start, you know. Anyway, you start if, you, if you're up to every present past, that's like the perfect place to finish it. Because just imagine if the feeling had done that, it would have been perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Would've. Paul McCartney could really learn a few things from the feeling. I think mm. he could have like let in Channel Four make one of his one of their music videos in a day. <laughs> I didn't know that happened. What? Yeah, completely missing out. Yeah, they made they made a music video for the feeling in a day. <laughs> Join with us. I didn't know they had multiple songs, to be honest. They, they had at least three. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I might have just pulled like a, a casual Sophie Ellis Baxter fan kind of thing mm. uh, on the feeling there. So I apologise to any big fans of them that are listening. On that note, yes. Uh, thank you for listening and getting through this. Thank you to Ben for getting through this. Particularly to Ben for getting through this. Being like, what? Nothing compared to the one you did with Paul last week? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Readers, you know, the listeners will still be having like treatment for that. I feel. Oh, they haven't finished that part. Listen to that podcast <laughs> by the time they start listening to this one. Like they're still working for the entire Beatles back catalog. You know, they haven't got to the solo work yet. Yeah, I'm just going to keep the podcast going because you know. <laughs> you want to beat Paul's record? Yeah, I kind of do now. I dare you. But what, what, obviously, I haven't had the benefit of listening to it because of the way podcasts are recorded. But what, what, what did he talk about? <laughs> Should we just, shall, you know what, shall I play the whole thing for you now? You give me a rundown of what he went through and I'll give you my views. He asked what we think of Padre Pollard. Oh, he spoke about rugby? Yeah, oh, that yeah, was the problem yeah, he made. Yeah. We talked about his mum. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you what think of Paul Williams' mum? Which Paul Williams? Any, you choose, you choose. It's like six in World Rugby. Oh, we talked about that actually, yeah, yeah, we talked about that a lot. There's a lot yeah. of Paul Williamses. There is a lot of Paul Williamses. Yeah. Um, Who's your mum's favourite rugby player? My mum. Yeah. Mm. Oh, she don't know any rugby players. <laughs> Who does she know? Do you know what? I'm going to say Dan Lydia. Okay. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Not because she knows Dan Lydia, but because I think she knows Dan Lydia's mum. Oh, okay. <laughs> nice, nice. That'll be it. They see, they see each other in Tesco sometimes. What do you think of the um, the French advert for shaving foam that appeared in the uh, France-Australia game from 1987? What do you reckon? Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Was it, was it like, um, what was it, Brute or something like that? Or was it like proper, like, 
Was it like those classic footballer ones from the 80s? You know, Rodney Marsh just like spraying himself a brute. I don't think it was for shaving photo. I think it was just like the advert was someone shaving, but I think the advert was for something else. It was like a metaphor, I think, for not being emasculated. Classic brands and their metaphors. They love them. They absolutely love them. Ben, where can people find you if they want more of this on, find your work, find social media stuff? Where, if people want more, where can they find it? Over street, the next five minutes. Uh, street Corners. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, Twitter is BenJames1796. So yeah, feel free to follow me there. I'll probably mute you. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> My mute list is horrendous. <laughs> Otherwise... on there. Yeah. Can, oh, seriously, the people on there. Scary. Otherwise, you can read my stuff on Wales on. It's, it's a lot boring. On you know, I'm not going to lie. My written work stuff is a lot more boring than this. And it actually is about rugby. So mm. you might like you might not be in catch it on Wales online. I suppose that's about it, really. Yeah, I haven't got a Patreon yet. No, not yet. Maybe so, by time five. <laughs> seem to be working out. Yeah, next time on the podcast, I'm going to have a Patreon. All right, all right. Yeah, yeah. We'll get you on next week. <laughs> Speaking of next week, though, mm. please join us for the third place playoff as we have to talk about Wales again. And we should be joined, all being well, by our regular third place playoff correspondent, Mr. Joshua Gardner of the Blood and Mud podcast. All being well, we'll see you then for the... How come Josh gets, like, nice Wales games? <laughs> well, what about we've given you Wales getting battered by the All Blacks? What do you mean, nice Wales games? We've given Josh two third place playoffs because he hates third place playoffs as a concept. Yeah. Oh, that's fair enough. Like the whole he thing is, a, is, he is he is a bit of a glutton for punishments. So that makes sense. Actually, yeah. <laughs> we're we're basically just yeah. our choices are entirely sadistic. Even even with Wales finishing third in the World Cup, oh, spoiler alert, they might. <laughs> oh, shit! Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> I've ruined, I've ruined the whole concept of the podcast. Even with the chance of Wales finishing third <laughs> this World Cup happening right now, Josh will have, has had, have in, that's all the tense has done, Yeah, an existential crisis. Of course. You know, you just got to expect something. <laughs> Quite a bit Dwight from the office there. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> thank you very much i am gonna end this yeah and i'm very sorry for doing that in whatever direction you want to read that and we will see you next time thank you very much good night i just wanna for you keen <laughs> <laughs> 